Welcome to the Podcaster's Life, a meta-podcast about the lives and journeys of podcast hosts, creators, and producers. Get your inspiration here from fellow podcasters. Listen to their stories, struggles, and successes. And now, the man dedicated to keeping you recording or finally getting your podcast off the ground, the podcaster's coach, Alexander Lauren. Hey, welcome to the podcaster's life. Thank you for joining me. Today, I am joined by Mike Howell. He is the CEO and founder of Anatomy of a Chef podcast. He connects chefs to the people who love their food. Before we start, I would like to direct you to podcasterscoach.com. You'll find a booking link to a free complimentary Podcasters Wheel of Life coaching session. If you're thinking that you want to make improvements in your life and starting to achieve your goals in life and podcasting, connect with me and see if coaching is right for you. There's no obligation. I'm just giving away my time. Go to podcasterscoach.com. If you did miss my International Podcast Day presentation, please look for the International Podcast Day YouTube channel. The presentation is right there. You could check it out. And at the same time, you can learn more about the Podcaster's Wheel of Life. Now, this coming Wednesday, I'm going to be trying some new things on this podcast. My guests, they've been really, really great. I've been really pleased with the show but I think we can have a little bit more fun. So I'm introducing a couple of new segments. So keep listening, and it all starts on Wednesday. So thank you again. I hope you have a great Monday, and I hope you enjoy today's podcast episode, my interview with Mike Howell, Anatomy of a Chef podcast. Hey, I'm Tyler Kirby, and I host the podcast Better Than Static. We're just three friends that get together and tell jokes, funny stories, and sometimes talk about movies and TV shows. All in hopes of brightening your commute or helping you get through the workday. You can check us out on YouTube, Podbean, Google Play, iTunes, and now Stitcher. And now back to Podcaster's Life with Alexander Lauren. Mike Howell is the CEO and founder of the Anatomy of a Chef podcast. He connects chefs to the people who love their food. He interviews the chefs who work in some of your favorite restaurants and a few who have competed in cooking competitions such as Top Chef, Top Chef Desserts, and Master Chef. He also chats with personal chefs who share their business successes, which help other personal chefs grow and succeed. Welcome to the show, Mike Howell. Alexander, how are you today? Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for your time. Absolutely. So, can I? Can I assume, Mike, that you really like food? (laughs) You can assume that I like food, although I am very picky in my food. There's lots of things that I don't eat, and it's more from from what I feel a health issue. Back in 1993, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer, and I went through that, and it came back a year later, and I had to have – so I had surgery and radiation the first year in 93, and 94 it came back, so I had more surgery – and chemotherapy to totally get it out of my system. And through that process and that experience, my wife was at a conference and heard of a doctor, his name is Dr. Ted Brower, 
and he had a book and tape series. And when he stood up at the front of the stadium and said, why is it that one out of every four people are dying of heart disease and cancer in this country? There's the leading killers of, of us in this country. Why do you think that is? And he went on and my wife sat down and was just mesmerized by what he was saying. And we have altered our changing our eating habits since 1994. So there's a lot of things that I don't, I choose not to eat that I probably would get pushed back in the, in the chef world, but that's, it's all about me. It's not about that, but I love the idea of what these chefs do. I mean, we love to go out to eat and we love to experience new food, but really got me going on anatomy of a chef is these chefs are in the kitchen from 12 to 15 hours a day, creating amazing dishes for us to enjoy. And what's really even more amazing than that is that they've got to be so consistent. Every meal has to be on mark, on point, everyone that's sent out or it gets sent back and they end up losing money. So they're in a really unique position, I think. And I think it's, impo it's important that these guys and gals get recognized for the hard work that they do and providing us with delicious food to enjoy and create experiences for us. Was there something that inspired you to, to create this concept? Because I, I haven't heard of any other podcast like this. I have always wanted to do something entrepreneurial that would bring me some joy and happiness and feel like I'm making a difference. And I've come up with some crazy ideas and different things. And I tell my wife about them. She's like, yeah, that's great. Go for it. And then it just dies on the vine. And then I, I was listening to um, John Dumas on Entrepreneur on Fire. And he literally kind of fired me up. And I'm like, you know, I think this podcast thing would not cost a ton of money if I could just find a subject matter that I enjoy. And my wife and I enjoy cooking in the kitchen and stuff. And one day I finally got up the gumption to to throw out one more idea. I said, hey, honey, guess, I'm thinking about it, this business idea. And, and I told her and she's like, that's probably the best idea you've had ever. What do, we need, what do we need to do to make it happen? And I talked to her about how it involves the food and, and the chefs and how we enjoy just the whole process of creating. And we watch the cooking shows, as you can tell by my bio and that kind of stuff. So it's just, and I just kind of rolled with it from there. And I find these folks just inc incredibly entertaining. They're interesting. I find them interesting. I hope people find them interesting who listen to my show. And I just think they're like artists with food that I want to showcase for the world to, to see and have them see. And my goal is for someone who lives in one of these cities to actually seek out one of these restaurants and enjoy the meal and actually go to the chef and say, you know what? I really enjoyed that. Thank you very much. That would be the biggest compliment for these guys and gals to hear is one of their, their clients people that come and enjoy their food that they are told it was wonderful and I loved it. So that would be awesome. So you, you have a business that is, or do you have a business that's, that's uh, surrounding around this podcast? I do not. I have a real job too. So I do this. <laughs> I, yeah, I do this on the side. I make no money at it. I'm just doing it for fun. Uh, I hope to monetize it one day. I'm in the process, I think right now, of really considering looking seriously at a food blog and creating a blog around it as well and start posting stuff on the website as a food blog and kind of, I post pictures on food on Instagram and that kind of stuff. And those seem to, to 
relate really well with my followers. So I think I'm going to turn that into um, probably a blog as well and kind of promote the, the podcast and my brand through the podcast and the blog, as well as putting it out there on Instagram as well. I find that podcasting is just a great way to start. Like if you have an idea about something, if you just jump into a podcast, the podcast is going to change. It's going to evolve. And then you're going to get other ideas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ideas are, do you find that? Do you find that I, the ideas are just flowing the longer you, you go down this podcasting journey? Alexander, I probably have the biggest shiny object syndrome problem around. <laughs> I, I think it's like I'm, I read stuff and I, and I get emails and what have you. And it's like, oh, that's a great idea. And I start running down that path. And it's like, stop, stop, stop. Just concentrate on what you're doing. But yeah, I find it, there's all kinds of things. In fact, I've signed up to, to a food conference next May. I've already bought the tickets and bought the plane fare to go out to a food conference. And that would never have shown up if I hadn't been out there kind of looking around and seeing what's out there. So it, it, it's opening up other avenues and other doors that can only just help people like you and I in this podcasting arena to grow our podcasting empires, if you will. You know, podcasting is a wonderful passion project for a lot of people. H have you found that it's really enhanced your passion about food and chefs and the, and the hospitality? Actually, what it has done for me is I can kind of see when I'm on websites. In fact, I was doing that before we got on the call. I was re researching, trying to find guests to come on the show and, and send out emails for invites and stuff. It's enhanced it in a way that I can actually see the chefs that are actually out there creating food and those that are just opening up bags and putting it into a pot. And where you think you're getting a really good meal at a particular establishment and really they're just opening up bags and having and thawing stuff out and cooking it as opposed to some of the folks that I've interviewed who actually go to the farmer's market, bring it in to the back door create it from scratch in the kitchen and it goes out to the dining area that afternoon or that evening and it's really it's really amazing how what what's involved what these chefs go through to put this stuff on the plate for for us and they're out there at like i said at the farmers markets or at the purveyors or or whatever there's a gentleman in san antonio that i interviewed i mean he gets i think it's a half of a cow every two weeks and a pig every week and they break this animal down and hang it in his own charcuterie, charcuterie and dry it out and age it right there on premises and then serve it out and he uses every aspect of a pig a lamb a cow it doesn't matter what it is and he's using stuff down to things that you wouldn't even think are edible but they're doing it and it's it's enhanced my perception of wow these people number one they are very talented and number two nothing absolutely nothing goes to waste. We hear about Americans throw out, you know, tons and tons of food every, every year, and it could be, we're just wasting it. And the reality is there are a lot of chefs out there that are using every bit of every plant. They're using the turnip greens and the carrot greens and the carrot itself. And they're using lamb's heads for, <laughs> for dishes on, on plates. I mean, it's like crazy, crazy stuff out there. And they're, they're really, um in tune of not to waste a thing that goes on the goes on a plate it's pretty amazing and that's probably what's what i've learned most about doing this podcast is the work that these these chefs actually go through
You know, I almost wonder, Mike, that because you have that information, you, you've gotten to know the personality of the chef, you've learned a lot more about them, you've learned about their process. I almost wonder if that makes helps the food taste better. I think it does. I, I think it does. And there was there my very first interview was a gentleman who runs um, a group of restaurants here in San Diego. And one of the girls I worked with, she goes, Oh my God, I love your pot, that number one podcast, your first one, because I love that restaurant. And now I'm going to enjoy it even more because now I know what actually goes into making the dishes that they enjoy. And I think you're right. I think when you really know the backstory and what inspires these guys and what what drives them to create the things that they create, you kind of can tie the story together and it all makes sense. Where if you you can everyone sees a pretty plate and like, wow, that's gorgeous. But what's the story behind it? Why did he do it? How did he do it? And what crazy man or woman comes up with putting these flowers or these other things on these plates and it just all works together? Or these ingredients. That's the other thing that gets blows me away is some of these ingredients they talk about or I see on a menu on online. I'm like, how the heck do they create anything out of that? And who thought, hey, let's put walnuts and I don't know, lavender together or something and, and make it work, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just the creativity is pretty mind blowing sometimes to me anyways. Do, do most of these chefs that you're talking to, do they own their restaurant? A small percentage do. It's very, very difficult and expensive, and the profit margins are very slim to owning your own place, which is why a lot of them do the farm-to-table and nose-to-tail cooking, because there's a lot of ingredients that they, if they can become creative with them, they can actually start making more money beyond what they would for um, just using pork chops and steaks from a cow, for instance. And the other majority of them work for restaurant groups where it's a company that owns a, a, a line of restaurants and all across either could be the West Coast, could be the Midwest or along those lines. But the ones that do own their own places, they're very, very creative in what they do to minimize costs and to extend the food out as far as they can. There was my latest podcast, her name is coral like the sea coral strong she has garden kitchen in san diego and she actually changes her menu every single day every day it's a different item and i'm like how do you not waste any food and she's like i buy enough for about two days two and a half days and i use it all i have no waste whatsoever it's all gone and that's how she does it and it was like that's got to be mine that's got to be so difficult to do and she told me once she got into the groove of it it's no big deal. Her hardest, her biggest challenge, I guess, is finding a, a chef who will roll with her and do that. Most chefs want consistency. They want to do the same thing day in, day out, every day, every week, every month. And she's like, no, 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 we're changing it every day. And she has a hard time finding chefs who can adapt to that changing environment easily. Most of them don't. So that's her biggest challenge. But she has a great following. She turns over, I think the place turns over three times a night. It seats like 42 to 50 people and she's cranking. I mean, she's doing really well. She's doing really well. So it's when you, when you're running your own ship, you got to find ways to really cut costs because things are expensive, especially here in California. Things are very, very expensive in the restaurant, restaurant industry. Not only are the food wise, but licensing and 
real estate, rent, insurance, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a challenge for sure. It's a challenge. I've I've worked in restaurants in my twenties and I don't know why anybody would want to get in that business. So stressful. I hear you. It's such a stressful industry. It's exciting, but very stressful. Yeah. Yeah, And some of these guys, they rock and roll for 12 hours. They just on their feet for 12 hours, just rock and roll. And they wouldn't change a thing. They love it. But it takes a, it's a, it takes a certain breed of cat to get that done. That's for sure. Absolutely. That's for sure. It is. It's crazy. I was just wondering, what's been the biggest struggle? Has it been, has it been getting guests or has there been anything else that has been really challenging? For me, the, Equip the technology and learning the equipment has been my biggest, my steepest curve, if you will. Learning GarageBand, how to do the editing and how to get things in there, and just learning how to what system works best for recording, and then behind that is is actually getting the guests. Because when you really don't have have a stable following and people don't know who you are, these folks don't want to don't they don't know who you are. So it's really hard to convince them to come on and spend an hour with you to talk about themselves and their restaurant. But thankfully I've had some that said, yeah, I'll do it. Sounds like fun and I'll do it. And I mean, I had Whitney Miller, the winner of MasterChef season one, she was 19 when she won the competition. And I just thought, what the heck? I'm going to send her an email and see if she'll come on the show. And sure enough, she's like, yeah, I'd love to. So you don't know who's going to, yeah, you don't know who's going to show up like the MasterChef or the, Top Chef contestant Marjorie, I just shot her an email at a restaurant and she wrote back and said, yeah, I'll do it. I'd love to do it. So you don't know who you're going to get, but everybody's up for grabs as far as I'm concerned. I don't, I don't care who you are or who you work for or how big you are in the chef world. I'm going to send you an email and see if you want to come on my show because, I mean, I can take a no and I don't take it personally and I just move on to the next one. It's, you just, it's a numbers game. It's sales, basically. You know, you just keep doing it. Keep pulling the handle. You're going to get sevens eventually. <laughs> Tell me, Mike, what will your life look like in three years? What will your podcast look like in three years? Can you tell me? I believe I'm going to have the number one chef podcast in podcasting in three years. I honestly think, I honestly think I'm going to have – it's getting guests will no longer be a problem for me. It'll be a problem for them because I'm so booked. And that's a good problem to have. And I can see that rolling into and building on the the blog as well, the food blog of some sort, and kind of tying this all together. I have product ideas that I want to develop. I've, I want to develop hot sauces. We have a barbecue sauce that we make that I think is really good. And I'm hoping going to turn that into products to sell as well on the website and do that via the web so I don't have to deal with um, supermarket buyers and and that kind of stuff. So there's there's quite a few things that I would like to, for this thing to turn into that will get me out of my job that pays the bills, get me doing something that I really have fun and enjoy doing, and replace my income and set me up for retirement down the road. So that's where I see things in three years. You're on the path. You're actually on the path. Maybe maybe the path or the road is long, but you're mm-hmm. you're on it. So- it's long. It's windy up and down it's it's everywhere but sunday <laughs> and it's a marathon it's not a sprint it is a marathon that you can't see the finish line in fact you never want to see the finish line you just want to keep striving for it so oh, you know you reach you reach little milestone markers along the way but the idea is to keep on cruising along so i'm not worried it'll come i've got the patience for it yeah 
Have you learned anything about yourself since doing this show? I've learned that I need to be consistent in doing the things. I need to pay attention and be consistent because it's easy to work all day at work. In California, we always commute. So I've got a bit of a commute. So I leave the house at 6.30, quarter to seven, and I get home at 6, 6.30 at night. So, and it's a long, long day and it's hard. It's easy to just sit on on your butt and turn on Netflix or something and watch something. So I've learned that you got to just kind of push yourself, be consistent, do something towards your business every day, no matter what it is, little steps every single day, because the little steps turn into big steps and you just have to keep going and going and going and just keep doing it and building upon itself. And eventually, and I knew that before, I just never had anything concrete to put it towards. So now that I've got something to build, you have like a goal in mind that you want to build this little podcast into this business. So it's, I've learned that you just need to be, have the mindset of be consistent and do something towards it every day. I think it's the biggest thing I've learned. Yeah. It's, and it's really great. And it's easier to make choices when you're trying to build something and you're doing something mm -hmm. that you love. It's a much easier choice to say, to, to say no to the, the, the 60 minutes of television that will do nothing for your life. And instead <laughs> reclaim taking that 60 minutes and doing something that has meaning for your life. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's really great on, on, on helping you in time management. That's what I found for me. Yeah, absolutely. And you, for me, and maybe for you too, but for me, I actually need to print stuff out and write stuff down because I can get lost and lose direction, if you will. Just get, like I said, I have the attention span of a fly. I really do. So I really got to concentrate on, on really focusing down and write stuff down and actually follow a plan. Because I am a planner by, that's what I do for a living. I, I create schedules for people and we, we update them and there's steps involved to creating to the end product. And I just need to do that in my personal life as well. And some people need that and some people don't. Some people can work three or four things at a time, but that's not me. I, I have to do one thing at a time or I, I don't get anything accomplished. I'm, I can't multitask. I'm not a multitasker. Yeah. I don't believe in multitasking. It's like you can, you can only do one thing at a time. Multitasking mm -hmm. is, is a word for, for uh, corporations to make people work harder. I think, yeah. Well, you're right. And they actually end up working harder, but accomplishing less yeah. in the end. There's a diagram I saw. It's like, if you work on one item for 45 minutes, you get so much accomplished. If you do two, it doesn't, you're not even working on them. Uh, what's half of 45, 24 and a half minutes. It's like 15 minutes. And if you work, work on three items at the same time, you're putting like five minutes of time towards each of them. It's ridiculous. You just end up getting nothing done and become more frustrated. So I think you're right. Multitasking is a buzzword in corporate America yeah. or corporate world in general. Mike, how can people hear your show and how can they connect with you? You can connect with me. I'm on Instagram and it's AOA Chef. And I don't do Twitter, although I have an account, AOA Chef on Twitter, although I'm not on Twitter. And my email is AOAChef at Gmail. And my website is www.aoachef.com. And you can write me at any one of those places, contact me, get a hold of me, and um, we can connect. And you can listen to the show via the podcast link on my website as well. So you can hear all the shows there or on Apple, iTunes, or uh, Google Play. You can find it there. If you just search AOA Chef, 
you'll be able to find the uh, the podcast as well. And listen to them, subscribe to my show, and let me know what you think. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. Keep up the great work, Mike. Thanks for your time. Alexander, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, bud. Have a great week. <laughs>